Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 15. And we'll look here and then we'll flip over to 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy 3 and verse number 15. This is the, this is the, the key verse of 1 Timothy. As Paul writes to his son in the faith, he wants this to be kind of the, what, the glue that holds everything together for this letter. And so 1 Timothy 3 and 15, but if I tarry long, well, let's look at 14. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Not a truth, but the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. I want us to go over to 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse number 2. 2 Timothy 2, we'll look at verse number 1. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. Thou therefore, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier." And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not uh, crowned, except he strive lawfully? The husbandman that laboreth must first part, um, be first partaker of the fruits. And so here he is giving a little bit of illustrations about this matter of faithfulness and what that looks like in different areas of just life in general, the athlete, the farmer, and so on, and we'll get to those. But I want us to look at verse number two, and I want you to read it out loud with me again. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be together. Thank you for the time that we could sing together, laugh together, enjoy this, these moments together. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We love you, and we love what you're doing in our hearts, and we're asking that you would continue to deepen us as a church family, prepare us for the next, uh, the next uh, phase, the next uh, season of our, of our church. Lord, we ask that you would uh, draw hearts to yourself through us, even this week. Would we see you work in mighty ways, ways that are only explainable by you, uh, that you've been working in hearts of co-workers, neighbors, family members. So Lord, I pray that you would use us. We ask, deepen us tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. So 
want to tackle this matter of faithfulness tonight. We've been talking about serving with our gifts. We've all received gifts from the Lord, seven different gifts that are mentioned in Romans chapter number 12. And we've received those gifts, and God has empowered us and enabled us to use those gifts. And as we use those gifts, Ephesians 4 and verse number 16 says, the church succeeds, the church is built up. And this matter of faithfulness, this matter of being faithful, I think sometimes in our churches we, we have the idea of faithfulness that might not exactly be what the Bible uh, defines or means by being faithful. I want us first to realize, as we were in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 15, we need to go back to the function of the church, the function of the church. Why are we here? Now, we already said that we're here, we exist for uh, the complete fulfillment of the great commission of Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit to the glory of God. That is our church mission statement, if you will. That is why we exist. We exist to take the gospel to the world, not just to Kettering, but the gospel to the world. So our function, though, 1 Timothy 3 and verse number 15, Paul helps uh, Timothy to understand, hey, you're pastoring there in Ephesus. I want you to understand the function of your church, the assembling of the saints together there, is exactly what's written in this verse. But if I tarry long, Thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, not the dead God, the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. What is the church, the assembly of the saints, doing there in Ephesus? It is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Now, you've heard me talk about this uh, uh, over and over, and perhaps this might come as review, but I just want us to remember that the church is an called-out assembly of saved and baptized believers. It's a called-out assembly of saved and baptized believers. Not anyone is just a part of the church, right? Not just because they say, they say well, I, I believe in God, or I, I had an experience one time. Are they just a part, of the, a, a part of the church? In fact, to become part of Grace Baptist Church, we ask them to go through our new members class, what we call starting points class. If someone asks you on Sunday morning, how do I become a member of Grace Baptist Church? You say, well, pastor's going to ask you to go through starting points class. Why? So we can share a little bit of our history. We can share our values. We can share our doctrinal beliefs. We can share why we are Baptist. We can share the structure of Grace Baptist Church, what we believe the structure to be. All of those things are important, and we give that. Uh, why, why, you say? Well, you know, I found um, people that, that haven't been taught or told what, what a Baptist church believes. I found people coming from other Baptist churches that don't even know what a Baptist church is. You laugh. And as they go through starting points, I get to share with them what exactly a Baptist church believes. And I think it's pretty important if you're going to be a part of a Baptist church, you ought to know what a Baptist church is all about. Don't you think? And so that's why we take that time. We have a, we have a, a, a booklet that we give them. And, but it, you don't find inside of uh, the book of Acts uh, um, in the first chapters that they had to, thou shalt have a starting points class, right? But it's just a, a matter of procedure. We bring them through. So we're all on the same page together. It's very important. But the, the, essential, the essential part is that they're saved and baptized, and they have a testimony to that. And they're saying, I want to commit to a, um, to the, um, Jesus Christ, to a bo um, the body of Jesus Christ, to a body of doctrine into a body of believers i'm committing to them it's not just i i'm coming to spectate i'm committing to be a part of that and so the church that jesus is talking about here that paul is talking about here is the church of the living god the called out assembly from the world to jesus christ listen they're in they're in ephesus they were called out of paganism not so much different than our day. A, a very immoral, wicked society. They were being called out of that. And they were assembling not as just some group, 
that had a common interest, but they're assembling around the name of Jesus Christ and a desire to follow after him. So it, it is interesting here. It is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. It doesn't say that, it would, uh, that the church of the living God would become someday the, the pillar and ground of truth, that it, that it was or will be in the future, but that it is the pillar and the ground of the truth. So what is this pillar and ground? It's very important that we understand that. The pillar is simply, as you might think, a, 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 an edifice, a, a structure that, that upholds vertically. It, it upholds something. And I want us to think, as Paul gave this, uh, he was talking uh, to Timothy that was pastoring there in Ephesus, and it would have pastored under the shadow of a beautiful ed- edifice, the Temple of Diana. Uh, what a beautiful thing that it was. The columns all the way around this temple. In fact, this was one of the seven wonders of the world. And there it was where all sorts of godless paganism went on inside of that that temple and in the worship of that temple. Um, He is saying, listen, Timothy, I want you to understand the church of the living God that you can't necessarily go to its address is the pillar and the ground of truth. They might boast in their their pillars upholding a, a wonderful and marvelous edifice, but the church of the living God is the pillar and the ground of the truth. What is the ground? It is a, a foundation, a support, a, a structure that, that stiffens, that supports, a, a, a strengthening framework, a, a, a mainstay, if you will. So what, what Paul is saying to Timothy, listen, the church in any given city and in any given society is what provides structure or provides the upholding of the truth in that, in that city or society. And we cannot lose sight of this. We cannot lose sight that in this society, in America, that is going downhill faster than we can, um, than we can keep up with, that the church of the living God is the pillar and the ground of the truth. It is what is going to uphold the truth, the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is what is to uphold the truth in a society. You and I have a personal mandate, a personal responsibility as the church. Listen. I said this last week, sometimes people talk about the church in an organizational way. Well, that church, and they're referring to like the church office or an organization. You are the church. Right now, just say, I am the church. Go ahead. Right? You are, the, you are what is upholding it. Who's going to uphold it in your workplace? You are. Who's going to uphold it in your family? You are. You are the church. God has designed it to be that way. You are what stiffens the truth in the society. You don't let it get wobbly. You stand by it. Truth is eternal. We find this in Psalm 100 and, uh, 100 and verse number 5, that his truth endures to all generations. The truth is the word of God. Jesus said that in his high priestly prayer, John 17, 17, thy word is truth. Truth is powerful. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Listen, we ought not be bashful about the truth we really ought not be literally god says it's it's more powerful and it's more sharp than any two-edged sword it is powerful and we need to believe it i I think sometimes we 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 kind of hide behind it like i don't know if i should say that i don't know if i i should throw that out there listen it is so powerful you just throw it out there and see what god does with it you get into a, a conversation with somebody and you make sure you leave them with a verse of Scripture, you have left them with great power. You have left them with something the Holy Spirit can work with. 
And friends, we ought to believe that it's powerful. Truth is Jesus. John, uh, uh, John chapter 14 and verse number six. I am the way, say it with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. The truth is Jesus. The truth is the foundation of the church. Jesus said, upon this rock, who I am as God, I will build the church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Listen, we oftentimes think that we're on defense from the world, but Jesus paints a different picture that we are on the offense, that we're taking the truth into the world, and hell itself cannot stop it. We need to believe that. Truth supersedes trends and tyrants. Understand in Acts chapter 5 and verse number 20, uh, 29, when Peter and, and the rest were told not to preach anymore in Jesus' name, they said, you know what? We ought to obey God rather than men. It might become the trend in society that you ought not to speak the truth and you ought not speak his name, but truth always triumphs. It always supersedes trends and tyrants, and we must believe that even in this day. Truth advances. We find in John 4, 29 and verse number 39 as well that the Samaritan woman, she goes into the city, and you know what? She, she tells everyone, listen, I met a man who told me everything about me. What did he tell? The truth. And on that soul testimony, she gets the, all of her husbands and the city to come out and find Jesus. And what, what happens then? They, they, they say, we, we, um, uh, we now believe, not based on what you said, we, we've heard them for ourselves. We heard the truth for ourselves. Truth advances. Truth advances. Sometimes I think we have this mindset, well, you know, we live in the last days, and so the truth isn't going to go very far, and we just need to, we just need to hold on, brother, until, until it's all over. No. No. God's truth is just as powerful today as it always has been. We need to believe that. You need to believe that as you go to work tomorrow. You need to believe that as you engage the community uh, throughout this week. Truth is powerful. It has the power to set men free. Truth does not leave people neutral. When Peter preached in Acts chapter number 2, he preached that whole day of Pentecost, that, that message there at Pentecost, and it literally says some mocked, but listen, many people believed and they, they didn't stay neutral. They were pricked in their heart. They couldn't stay neutral. They had to decide on the truth. Truth polarizes. Truth polarizes. You either have to receive it or reject it. There's no in between. There's no in between. Don't get, don't get frustrated when there is a rejection. You know the truth worked. Now, we want people to receive it, do we not? But when there is rejection of the truth spoken in love, realize the truth just worked right in front of your eyes. And you realize the reason that our society is censoring the truth is because that is their way of rejecting it. They either have to receive it or they have to reject it. What is the problem with someone just saying, you know what, I believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. What is the problem with uh, uh, someone standing up in society? I believe that men, uh, that God created us men, male and female. What is the problem with that? We have to censor it. Why? Because we're rejecting that truth rather than receiving it. The truth has to be either received or rejected. It does, it does not leave us neutral. In fact, polarizes. Truth grounds us and it grows us according to Ephesians chapter number 4. It helps us to be stable from every wind of doctrine. You better be in the truth in these days because there's so much doctrinal 
winds coming and it is what will ground you. But he says in the next verse, and speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. And the reality is that truth not only grounds, but it grows us and truth sets us free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So there's so many things about the truth. And you know what? You and I, as a church of the living God, the called out assembly of, uh, from the world to Jesus Christ, this assembly of saved and baptized individuals is the pillar and ground, the support of the truth in society. Just like that massive edifice is upheld with a, a foundation and with pillars, so you are to do the truth in this society. Don't think that you're, you're not important. Don't think that your voice of truth in this society is unimportant. Don't think that you know, they can do without your voice. Listen, you, as a church of the living God, are very important to upholding truth in this society. In fact, no one else, nor any other organization, and church is not an organization as much as it is an organism. It's a body. It's a family. But no other uh, organization in our society is going to uphold the truth and be a pillar in the ground of the truth. You know, as, as tonight and as tomorrow, as the, the crew over at WHIO meet together for their, 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 uh, for their daily broadcast and so on, it is not going to come up in any of their discussions about upholding truth in society. Over at CNN, it isn't going to happen? Certainly not. Over at any other... They're, they're not gathering together. How can we make sure that we uphold God's truth in this society? The businesses around our, our city. The businesses that gather together. The huddle that'll happen over at Kroger's in the, in the produce aisle. You ever gone in there early in the morning and seen them all, all the workers huddling together? Right? Getting their morning details. They're not going to gather in that in that gathering and say, you know what? We need to make sure that as people come in and out of here today, we uphold God's truth in this store. We're responsible for that. No, they're not going to do that. There is no other organization, there is no one else tasked with upholding truth in the society but the church. And you and I, we have gotten such a complex as the, as the church, as the, as the culture drifts away from God, like we're helpless. No, we're not. We have the truth, the powerful truth that will never go away. It is it endures to every generation. And we are tasked with upholding it in this society. God's people must stand uncompromisingly for the inspiration, the inerrancy, the authority, the sufficiency of God's word. One author said, we have to uphold it. We have to stand by it. So why is it so, incurred, uh, so important that you and I as believers assemble together so that we can be further grounded in the truth? so that we can go out into the world in which we live and uphold the truth in society. Uh-uh, you know, I just heard that preached about. I just heard that taught. I just read that in my Bible. That isn't how it goes. And always we're speaking the truth in love, right? With a good attitude, the good attitude. But the reality is we are, we are responsible. You are responsible. You are the church. Say it again. I am the church. Say it again. I am the church. You're responsible. You're the pillar in the ground of the truth. We've been given this distinct and precious privilege. I want you to turn over to Jude chapter number 1 and verse number 3. Perhaps you already know where I'm going, but Jude chapter number 1 and verse number 3. 
I'm sure glad Brother Cliff took his water with him. Jude chapter 1, verse number 3. Beloved, are you there? All right, let's read it together. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So here Jude is. He's writing to brethren just like you and I, and he says, hey, I just want to remind you, you and I received the truth. You and I received the the gospel. You and I received uh, what is absolutely true about Jesus Christ. And you and I must contend for it. We must contend for it. Now, we do not get into fistfights. We do not use swords or guns. We do not use artillery. But we do absolutely stand up for it with our voices. We do stand up for it with our lives and our living We are to practice truth in our society. We are to wear the belt of truth everywhere to go, uh, 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 taking our lives and wrapping it all together with truth and going into our workplaces and into our family functions and into our lives with truth on. We are to live out the truth, earnestly contending for it, striving for it, laboring for it, guarding the truth. It is so important that we take this as a personal responsibility. So friends, if I could just underscore something that's been on my heart throughout this day, it is, it is very, very bad for us to get in the mentality of the church as an organization. The church will do this and the church will do this. No, if you're a member of Grace Baptist Church, this is your responsibility. Not just mine. I have a responsibility to uphold the truth, but so don't you. So don't you. Now, how does this all correlate with faithfulness? Our function is the pillar and the ground of the truth the pillar and the ground of the truth. You and I, as we come together, one of our priorities is that we would grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we grow in truth. As we connect with each other, and first of all, connect with our, our Lord, but connect with each other, our priority is to grow in every service, every opportunity we have in our personal devotions with the Lord is to be growing and then sharing, and then serving. These are our priorities, but to to grow together in the truth. So our function is is to be that pillar in the ground of the truth. That's our function. But listen, our faithfulness in that function is required. Now, how how does this relate to you? How does this relate? I'm going to ask for you to help me out a little bit. You know, the Bible speaks much about faithfulness. The Bible says that it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful. If we were to put a criteria or a way to kind of gauge faithfulness in the context of the body of Christ, what are some of the ways that we would gauge that? What are some of the ways that we would be able to, to look at a person and say, that's a faithful person? Now, I, want you to, I want you to throw some things out here tonight. What are some of the ways that we would gauge faithfulness in a church, in the body of Christ. Okay, church attendance. Tithing. What's that? Empathy. Your walk and talk. Service. Prayer meetings. Consistency, carry your Bible. 
devotions. You look at that person and say, that's a faithful person. How do we, how do we gauge that? All these are good. Anything else? Inviting people to church. Anything else? Yes. Being gentle. That's good. Thank you. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. If it's required in stewards or managers, those that have been entrusted with something, and we certainly have been, right? You've been entrusted with the truth of the gospel. He's given unto you the word of reconciliation. Has he not? That's what 2 Corinthians 5 tells us. The word of reconciliation. He's given it. He's entrusted it to you. He's made you an ambassador for it. If it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful, I don't know about you, I want to know what faithful is. I want to know what, what the bar is. I want to know what I'm going to shoot for. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 6, most men will proclaim every one his own goodness. How many of you met a person or two like that? They'll proclaim every man his own goodness. They'll tell you, they'll tell you all about themselves, right? But a faithful man who can find. A faithful man who can find. It's a good question. So what is a faithful man or woman? What is a faithful person? What is a faithful believer? And I want to draw our attention back to what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2. Now, we can do a lot of study about faithful. But particularly here tonight, I want to zero in on what Paul told Timothy and the things. He told him to, hey, endure hardness, Timothy, and, and stay at it, Timothy. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. But the things you've heard of me from many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I want us to just define a few words. This idea of commit is to entrust, to entrust to faithful men, to entrust to them. You want to find entrustable men. You want to find people who are entrustable, are able to take something and run with it. These faithful uh, men would be responsible, worthy of or requiring responsibility or trust, held accountable. So the idea is they're able to take on responsibility. They will run with it. They will use it. They will do the right thing with the responsibility they have been given, faithful men. But it's interesting here that, that Paul says, the same commit thou, entrust thou to responsible uh, men, and then he qualifies what's a responsible man. Look, look at the end of the verse there with me. What is he qualify? What's, what's the, the qualifier for these? All right, let's all get on the same page. Who shall be able to teach others also? One more time. Who shall be able to teach others also? Now, think about if you are given a responsibility at work, and uh, you're, you're in a supervisory role, and you've been told, here's what you need to, uh, need to do. You're going you're gonna to ask the boss, well, now, now give me all the specifics. Tell me exactly how to do this. Why? Because you're going to go and help other people to accomplish what is being asked of you, right? So in that scenario, a faithful man is not just knowing the information, but being able to go and deliver it to somebody else. I want to make this point here tonight that being faithful is not just sitting in a pew. It's not just reading your Bible. It's not just coming to revivals. It's not just tithing. It's not just 
being in your place. How many of you have heard that before? All right, let's be in our place in church. Let's be in our place. All right, you, you've, you sit there, you be in your place. It's not just those things. Now, certainly there's, there's an element of faithfulness that is there. We are told to assemble, are we not? Not, we are told, Hebrews 10 and verse 25, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. So we are, we are to do that, and, and there is a sense where that is faithful. But Paul's telling Timothy, listen, I want you to entrust these truths, these truths that are to be upheld by the church and society, I want you to entrust these truths to faithful men, responsible men, who will be able to teach others also. And I want us to realize tonight that, that the criteria of faithfulness is not merely receiving the truth, but the ability and the willingness and the step to distribute the truth as well. Now, why is that important? Because a church, if it is all resting on one individual or a few individuals to, to disseminate the truth, to distribute the truth, it's not going to go anywhere fast. You all with me still? You know how important this is? God has made you responsible. He's given you the personal responsibility to be the upholder, the pillar and the ground of the truth in this, in this city, in your neighborhood, in your family. As you come here and you receive truth and as you are encouraged in the truth and you're grounded further in the truth and you grow up in the truth, the reality is if you do not go and disseminate that truth, your faithfulness is in question. Now, I want to encourage us about this because this is, this is really important for us to, to get a hold of. You have spheres of influence I'll never have. You can look at the person sitting next to you and, and they have spheres of influence that you won't have. And if we are to permeate society and uphold truth in, in this society, we all got to be pulling our part, right? We all got to be... We all, all got to be doing our part. We all to be, need to be faithful with the truth that we have received. Was Jonah counted faithful for knowing the message? For just simply knowing the message? No, he needed to go and deliver the message. And until he did, he was a disobedient servant, was he not? He was an unfaithful servant. What about Judas? Judas knew a lot yikes judas really knew a lot he had he had seen miracles just been a part of things he had preached he knew a lot we certainly call his faithfulness into question do we not what about peter was he faithful well he struggled a little bit but boy i'm telling you once he got to the day of pentecost didn't he just stand up and let it go like, where did this guy come from? Like, what in the world? Look at, and he went on, and, and at the end of his message, people were pricked in their hearts, and they, they were divided. The truth worked, and some rejected it, and some received it. It was pretty amazing. I'd say that Peter was faithful to the truth. What about the man possessed with a, 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 a devil that Jesus cast out those devils? And, and he says this in Mark 5 and verse number 19. How be it when Jesus, Jesus suffered him not, because he asked to go along with Jesus, but saith, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed. And you know what? Right now we have the determination whether this man's going to be faithful. Jesus had done great things for him, had set him on a different path. 
And right now, he departed. And sometimes you, know, you and I grab a truth or we, we learn something and we depart. And it's what we do next with it is, is whether or not we're truly going to be faithful. And he departs, and the Bible says here in verse number 20, Mark 5, departs and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men, and all men, not a few men, not just his neighbor, not just his family, and all men did marvel. Do you know that he went to 10 different cities disseminating or distributing the truth that Jesus had just put in him? He went all the way out there. Was he a faithful man? Yeah. Was Paul faithful? The Bible says in 1 Timothy 1 and 12, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who enabled me and has counted me faithful. Well, how did you get that badge? How did you get counted faithful? How did you get written down as a faithful individual? Well, it says putting me into the ministry. He counted him faithful. Here, here's how he demonstrated his faithfulness by getting out and serving the truth that he had received there at the road to Damascus, backside of the desert, in different places, delivering it to other people. In fact, we learned this morning, immediately he was right there in Damascus delivering the truth. So for Paul, his faithfulness was in the distributing the truth to others. I think as you write down soaps from your daily devotions, one of the last things that's asked is, who are you going to share it with? Remember, soaps, I'm going to review just for a moment with, with you all. Soaps, you write down a, a scripture verse, right? You write down a scripture that has stood out to you in your Bible reading. God says, this is for you. So you write that down. You journal that scripture out. Number two is uh, soap, observation. O, observation. What is this verse saying? What is this verse saying? Guys, if you have that back there, find that and pull it up. What is this verse saying? What can I glean from it? Uh, letter A, application. What would it look like if I put this into practice in my life? It might come out as an I will statement. Today, I'm going to, and fill in the blank, whatever God's word has said. Letter P is pray. Pray, Lord, I need your help to enact this. I need your help in applying this in my life. Letter S is who am I going to share it with? What is that? Taking the truth that God has given to you and giving it on a daily basis to somebody else. What Paul was telling Timothy, if the church there in Ephesus is going to go forward, there is a necessity that there are those that receive the truth, but they don't just receive and say, well, amen. Great message, great lesson. Let's move on. But they go and give it to somebody else. They're able to take somebody else through discipleship they're able to teach somebody else the ropes they're able to communicate this is how it's done this is how we do things around here this is how we honor god's word and we take and give it to somebody else so i want to challenge our thinking about the matter of should we all assemble yes or no yes there's there's some of you should we all assemble yes or no yes, yes. okay all right we're all on the same page so yes we got that down but friends you know, there's many people that come in and out of churches just like ours that think that they're faithful because they simply sat in a pew. And I'm here to say and encourage you, that isn't all of faithfulness. That's only one part. We do need to receive the truth. Remember what it says there in 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 2, the same, commit thou. There is a need to receive, to be entrusted with the truth, to download the truth. 
But the other part of that is who will be able to teach others also. And the important function of that happening within the church. And so Paul goes on to say, uh, in, in all these different arenas, whether it's the soldier, or whether it is the, is the athlete, or whether it is the farmer, in all these areas, we need to be faithful just like them. A, a good soldier, uh, a good soldier is faithful. He continues on. He resolves to endure through hardness. He refuses entanglements. He's not bound down by the, the things of this world. He, he goes forward for the Lord. He's a, he's a good soldier. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't get bogged down. He, he endures through that hardness. He's faithful. Well, we ought to be like that with the truth. It won't always be easy to speak the truth. It's hardly ever easy to speak the truth. Do you agree with that? Most people aren't cheering on the truth. Like an athlete, he comp uh, competes with excellence and according to the rules. You know, we're to, we're to be guided by the Holy Spirit in the way that we give the truth. We're to let truth in the delivery of the truth be governed by love. We're to do it with, with excellence and according to the rules. A farmer, he enjoys the fruit after consistent labor. Well, I went soul winning one time. I, I gave the gospel one time and the person didn't get saved. So I don't know if it really works. No, there's labor involved. There's watering involved. There's planting. There's, there's going back and growing the relationship. It takes effort and work, but the, the farmer gets to enjoy the fruit of his labor. And so the idea, Paul's just, just underscoring this, this faithful man. In all these ways, let's be faithful like these in delivering the truth and, and, and committing it to other people. So this morning, I have a question. The title of this morning's message was A Vision for Life. We saw that Paul had a, had a vision from the Lord that indeed was a vision for the lost that turned into Paul's vision for life. What consumed him, yes, it was contested, but it consumed him. I have a question. If you were responsible tomorrow morning to communicate that message or that thought process to a group of men tomorrow morning, how would that change the way that you took notes this morning? You and I go to college, right? And a college student goes in and they take tedious notes. I'm, I'm getting the, the mental uh, remembrance of a a, uh, a guy that I went to college with, and uh, Daniel was his name, and uh, I, there were a couple Daniels. One was a, a really good friend. He took pretty good notes, but this other Daniel, man, Tony, he, he burned out his IBM. I can, still, I can still see him sitting at his IBM ThinkPad, like a thick one, not the thin ones today, the IBM ThinkPad, and he burned, I think he, I think he took every word down. You remember him? Man, I mean, just unbelievable amount of notes. But he intended to know what was being said and to be, able to, to, to be able to spit that back out on the test, but be able to, he was preparing for something to go somewhere in life. I still have some of my college notes. I took notes. Why? I was going to enter into the ministry and I intended to use those things. And I go back sometimes in my Romans class or whatever, uh, my, uh, my uh, ministry philosophy class or my, my Bible doctrines class, or I go back just this week I, um, for the uh, Wednesday evening message. I went back to one of the books that I, I studied about Israel history and I pulled out one of the papers I received. Oh, goodness. It's getting, it's getting a long time back there, okay? But I looked back down at, at that, and it, and it helped me. I kept that, and I wrote down things. Why? Because I intended to use it. 
Now, friends, what happens if we went to the growth groups? And what happens if we, we met together? What happens if you came to the, the 6.30 time on Wednesday night intending to take the truths you learned there and give it to somebody else? Would it affect the way that we receive that truth? Would we approach it maybe more like, hey, we're going to class. We're going to prep time. Because God's going to give me the opportunity this coming week to use, uh, use and to deliver these truths to somebody else. When I take folks through discipleship, I, uh, the, we're almost done. The, Sto- uh, the Stokes are just about, the, we have one more lesson. One more lesson out of 14. I'm excited about that. But one of the things that we have said all the way through, write down things, write down things, because you're going to use this when you disciple another couple. And along the way, I'll be saying, well, hey, you know, when you, when you disciple somebody at, at some point, you'll want to think about this. Why am I doing that? Because I'm committing to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And you and I need to have that mindset. It's not just for me to receive, but I'm going to give it to somebody else. Friends, that is the only way the church will succeed and go forward. If it only rests on my shoulders to communicate truth in this place, it, it's not going to go forward. There are men here in this auditorium that need to be ready to take the truth and commit it to, to other people. The same truth that I've received, I commit it to other people. I teach it, I'll give it to other people who shall be able to teach others also. So this is a burden on my heart for our church. We need to, we need to think, how am I personally a part of upholding the truth in this society? How am I personally a part of the church of being, the, um, being a part of the functioning of the church, the, the pillar and the ground of truth? Now, we can say, I can't, but listen, that, that, that negates the fact or uh, neglects the fact that Jesus himself said, faithful is he who called you who also will do it. He'll enable you to do it. He'll give you the enablement. Now, you might be in here and say, you, you've said, uh, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. This, this is the same pattern for ladies. Commit thou to faithful ladies who will be able to teach others also. But I'll say this. Our churches are dying for a lack of faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And men, I'm talking to you right now, do not, do not give that responsibility to the women. The women will take it if they need to. And that's what happens in a lot of Christian homes. It defaults to the wife not because she wants the leadership, the spiritual leadership, because the men, the men neglected their duty in the home. And it happens inside of churches too. And friends, men, I'm calling on you, Grace Baptist Church, you receive. Every time we get into this service, don't sit out there. I'm not saying if you're sick or whatever, I don't know who's out there on the other side of that wall. So, right? But don't hang out there and talk. You know what really burdens my heart? You know what really burdens my heart? Can I be honest here? I've been honest all the way through here, by the way. <laughs> Wednesday nights or some other time during, during Sunday service or whatever, to have people hanging out, chit-chatting when a service is happening. There's something wrong with that. I said it, you can, you, can, you can verify that with an amen. There's something not right about that. Not because of what I'm saying, but because this is the place God has 
God has ordained the preaching of the word in the context of the local church. And we really need to make certain that we're actually sitting under the preaching of the word. I'll just sit here and I will continue to preach uh, until we get an amen on this. Hey, I'm serious about this. God has entrusted me as a shepherd, an under-shepherd here in the church. And it just came to mind, it isn't in my notes. But I am, I am dead serious about the reality. If, if we're just coming to church and hanging out at church but not putting ourselves under the truth, there is a problem. And when another brother comes to you and says, hey, brother, we ought to get in the auditorium, we ought to get under the truth, you ought not reject that. And they've probably been encouraged by me to do so. There's something not right with that. So I'm calling on the men of Grace Baptist Church. We must be willing to be entrusted with the truth so that we can commit it to other people. The, on the success of this church, the, the going forward of this church, rests upon that. I was in India, and I remember a statement made on the last day that it was there. I was overwhelmed by what God had done there on the campus of South India Baptist Bible College. And it was amazing what God had done there in that place. And the president, who we, because of COVID, didn't get to come here, um, look forward to having him here, but his name is P.D. Cherian. And God has used him mightily there for many, many years. And he said something that really gripped my attention. He said this, and I quote, the success of any ministry is a band of men whose hearts God has touched. The success of any ministry is a band of men whose hearts God has touched. The idea of what he was saying, listen, I, I, can't, I can't make men be faithful. I can't make men commit, uh, uh, commit the truth that they've received to other people. But the success of a church, the success of a, of a Bible college, the success of any spiritual organization is going to be dependent upon hearts that God has touched. And they've said, yes, sir, we're going we're gonna to do something with this. Friends, I don't know what God is doing in your heart and what stirring he's doing in your heart, but obey him. Take the truth that he's given to you. Uphold it in this, in this congregation. Uphold it for the glory of God and for the, the success of this church. We need you. We need you. And I don't know how that hits your heart tonight. I trust, that it, I, I trust that you'll chew on that and you'll think on that. But the reality is I'm calling on our men especially to be faithful be faithful and what does that look like to teach others also to teach others also that might be i remember growing up having some different men in the church that would challenge me about my bible reading hey how are you doing in your bible reading but you know this it's one thing to ask that question it's another thing to tell another young person in the church what you read in your bible Teach, give it to them. Hey, pastor's been talking about this, on, uh, I, 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 and this really moved my heart. Rather than just a, a conversation about whatever, this really moved my heart, and, and communicate how that has struck your heart, and teach. You see what I'm saying? Give it, deliver the truth to somebody else. So I have a question. Who is going to benefit this week from our gatherings together today, from, from growth group, from being together in here, from other times of our, our interaction with one another, who is going to benefit from the truths that you received this week? It needs to go somewhere. 
You are a conduit. You are not a container. Don't be a container Christian this week. Give it to somebody. Ask God for that opportunity. Give it to somebody. They need it. They really do. So, we're the pillar and the ground of the truth. It's not enough just to receive the truth. You need to distribute it. You need to distribute it. And tonight, as we stand to our feet here, I want us just to take time to pray before we leave. Lord, I want to be a distributor of the truth. I don't want to just receive it. I want to distribute it to somebody else. So with our heads bowed and just an attitude of prayer, I want to just invite us, let's find a place to pray and commit. Lord, I want to be a faithful person who shall be able to teach others also. And I especially want to call on our men to make some commitments tonight. I want to be a faithful man who shall be able to teach others also, who's taking the truth I've received and I'm giving it to somebody else. Right now as the music plays, you find a place to pray. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.